this is the municipal. Have you been paying attention to like city stuff? Don't vote, can't bitch. Sorry to uh, <laughs> to point that finger at you. My answer was that would be yes and no. My tummy hurts, and I'm mad at the government. You're saying council wouldn't approve it, and two, you're robbing them of their their voice. It's it's he's already he's already failed to vote. Welcome to a brand new episode of the Municipals. I'm Matthew. And I'm Philip. And we are joined today by, he's he's going to be a mayoral candidate, Mr. Anthony Fury. He is a former col- columnist with the Toronto Sun. Welcome to the show, Anthony. Matthew, Philip, great to be here. Thanks for having me. I just want to say right off the bat, you know, when I when I saw that you were entering the race, I I, I, I took a second and I thought, hmm. Mayor Fury. I could get on board with that. Nice. That That's the plan. Hopefully several more people say that. Hopefully a, a couple hundred thousand. That's the goal. Right off the bat, you know, I, I know that you've got a, a tight schedule, so we're just going to get into it. Eager to learn what your plan is. Uh, so maybe, yeah, let's let's talk. You, you start with your plan and then we'll jump in with questions if we have it. Uh, floor's yours. Yeah, and thank you so much for the opportunity, gentlemen. Uh, You know, the plan, the top line plan is that why am I running for mayor? What are the conversations I want to have? What are the issues that I want to discuss? I'm the father of three small children, and we're committed to to sticking it out in Toronto. We've had people over the years say, I'm moving out of Toronto because of affordability issues, because of a general sense of urban decay. I wrote a story previously about moving out of downtown Toronto because of urban decay. I now live in the East End. Lots of concerns about what was going on in the downtown. But I love this city. And when people talk about that, talk about moving out, or when seniors talk about the fact that they don't like going downtown anymore for for lunches or to go see a show because they're not feeling safe anymore, it upsets me. And I've had the privilege of being a columnist broadcaster for the past 15 years, engaging with people from all over the city, all walks of life, and hearing from them, learning from them. And I thought, I want to be a part of the solution now. I want to step forward and go from uh, being the guy offering the commentary on the sidelines to being someone who can get in the game and offer uh, a productive solution. I also want to provoke a bit of a discussion about who really runs this city, who really runs Toronto. Because increasingly, I think people feel like the people who run it are are the big corporations, are the well-connected, are the lobbyists on one hand, and on the other hand, the sort of fringe activists, woke activists who just need to bring a dozen or two people down to City Hall kicking and screaming and City Hall caves and they get what they want. What I want to do is flip around and the voices I want to elevate are just the regular folks, the the parents, the hockey moms, soccer dads, the average folks on the public transit, stuck on the highways and the small and medium businesses who aren't getting the government handouts, but are certainly the ones uh, who are doing the hard work to keep the economy going and have taken a beating the past couple of years with all the restrictions that have been placed on their businesses. So that's the discussion I, I want to have. And I'm offering a fresh voice and a fresh perspective because I think the status quo people who got us to this place where people have these concerns about Toronto, I don't think they're the people to get us out of it. So I believe it's time for a fresh voice. I couldn't agree more. Go ahead, Philip. <laughs> so... I have a weird question. I, I wanted to, um, in my mind, I had a, a format that I was like sort of forming starting last week where we had Gil Penalosa on 
And, uh, you know, I was going to follow the same thing. But I mean, you mostly cover it with, uh, you know, I, I feel like one of my real questions is what makes Toronto to you something worth fighting for? Not I'm not quite there. That's not quite my question yet. That was um, a good question. That's though. like <laughs> I'll get there. You know, that'll that'll be you let that ruminate in your mind okay. for a moment. OK. Um, uh, and in a moment, I think I will ask you about um, I think I'm the only one who will take contention here with the your uh, woke activist moment. So I will ask sure. you about that in a moment. But uh, I don't know if this is a weird question, but, you know, we had our municipal election just six months ago. And I'm very curious, um, why why now do you think choosing to run instead of six months ago that election? And um, I'm just I'm really curious uh, what factors sort of motivated you to run. I mean, I guess even if if the question is you just didn't think of it before, I mean, that could just be an answer, too. But I'm just curious, you know, what what do you think changed between six months and now? Because I feel like the problems with the city fundamentally haven't changed. No, I think it's a good point. And, and I think if everyone's honest, what they'll acknowledge is that the incumbent mayor, uh, Mr. Tory, who had originally said he'd just run for two terms, decided he would seek a third term. And this is a gentleman who who has a lot of support and incumbency is a very powerful thing. And I don't think a lot of people wanted to run against him, despite the fact they may have had concerns and, and passions about certain issues, which have become even more acute, I think, just in that six month period there. So I, I think it really does come down to that, to my point about wanting to have some provoke some discussions, have some conversations about this city. I think there's a great opportunity to do that. Now we see that there's there's going to be a lot of candidates out there. Um, the Toronto Star put out a front page with all of our faces on it. And it was like a high school yearbook photo. You know, there was there's so many of us on it. And, you know, I'm a big fan of, of, of democracy. So we're all going to get out there and we're going to have all these discussions. And and I think they're, they're going to go in interesting directions. And, and I'm someone who likes to have debate. I like to have uh, discourse and, and we're going to have that opportunity. And I think maybe last time there just wasn't the similar uh, opportunity because of the incumbency advantage. And, you know, that's um, that's really where I'm thinking is the reason that most of the people are choosing to run now who didn't run before. But for whatever reason, I I somehow got the the instinction, sorry, the the impression that nobody would really want to say it that way. Yeah, I guess so. I, I guess I'm just uh, be, being matter of fact with the reason, although I, I had not really personally thought of doing that before. I mean, potentially there are individuals who had wanted to maybe run before but didn't because of the presence of uh mr tory on, on on the slate there uh but i was not planning on doing it back then this was something that that was relatively new to me just based on uh looking at the voices out there who who would enter the fray and feeling like the issues that that i'm passionate about and that i've been speaking about consistently are ones that that i think the public and sort of the center are at right now so a lot of things that I am going to say on the campaign trail and have already said are completely consistent with things I've been saying in my commentary. In fact, some of my campaign planks will be things that I said on talk radio back last summer that I feel so passionately about. I'd like to go out and, and sell people on and, and seek a mandate for. Um, I'd love to get in about uh, specifics. So if you don't mind, uh, I'm just going to rapid fire a few things and then, and then we can go from there. Um, as it as it as it uh, goes with the the police budget, um, 
are you for or against uh, um, raising it? And uh, what might be your your plan? Just just briefly. Yeah, I, I can't offer specific targets. What I can tell you is that I have not recently, nor have I in the past few years, signaled that I would support defunding the police. Mm-hmm. I think people view policing as one of the core services. There's a lot of things that City Hall spends on that that we need to have a conversation. Is this a need to have, a nice to have, a wait, are we actually spending money on this? This is bonkers, get rid of it right away kind of thing. And and policing, like garbage collection, is considered a core service. So I've never supported calls to defund the police. So if we're going to go in either direction, we're going to uh, go towards more funding. One thing I've already been talking about, and I'm going to be talking about so much on the campaign trail, which I hope is the the value-added aspect that I bring to public safety is that I want to push for treatment, treatment, treatment for persons affected by the drug crisis. We continue to see random attacks on public transit on our streets. And I've been speaking with police officers, uh, street physicians, street nurses who engage with people on the streets. And they say, what we're not talking about enough is that there's a drug crisis component here. There are persons who are, who are unfortunately facing addictions and that scenario makes them more prone to these violent attacks. And I think that we haven't pushed the treatment conversation in Toronto the same way they have in other jurisdictions uh, throughout different parts of North America. And a compassionate society doesn't keep people on drugs. It works to get them off of them. And that's the direction that I want us to head in, because if we can look after our brothers and sisters on the street, we're also looking after our own communities. We're improving public safety. Absolutely. And what do you say to the people who say that, uh, and these are other columnists that say that um, promising a, a full scale audit is, uh, is a waste of time uh, down at City Hall? It's called spring cleaning because it's done every spring. It's not done every 10 years or what have you. So it needs to be done. And before you have a conversation about raising this user fee, uh, raising this tax, you owe it to those individuals to do that audit, that line-by-line review with a regular frequency, at least each term, if not every year. So I'm going to come in, I'm going to do the 90-day review, and we're going to go through things. And gentlemen, I'm looking forward in the weeks ahead to un- to unveiling some things that we've already targeted that I think most regular moderate people would go, wow, what, what's what's going on with that? I mean, okay, if you like that, that's fine, but that's not a thing that taxpayers should be paying for. Some really bonkers stuff that regular folks should just not be shelling out for, particularly at a time when they're saying they want the potholes fixed and they're concerned about public safety. Absolutely. I got one more question. Oh. And then Philip, I'll throw it to you. Just one more question. Okay. Um, All right. I'm interested in your position on the gardener, keep it, tear it down, or some sort of a hybrid. Uh, just briefly, your thoughts. Yeah, I live in the east end of Toronto. And I got to tell you, when that off ramp from the gardener was torn down, whatever your politics, whatever uh, your perspective, people were really upset because that just totally limited our access uh, to the western part of the city, and it was almost like a like a Berlin Wall moment where people are like, "I don't see my West Toronto friends anymore. I I barely go to Etobicoke anymore because it's just added so much time and stress because you got to drive straight through downtown in rush hour to get on that highway system." I think right now it's reckless to talk about tearing down any more highways, doing any more major road restrictions, and doing any tolls on the guard or on the DVP, which some of the other guys are talking about doing. What I want to do is expedite transit construction. So all hands on deck, do everything we can to get these different subway lines and LRT lines uh, constructed and open 
as fast as possible because you got to be providing people with more options. Anyone who wants to restrict roads, they can't be having that conversation until the 2030s or 2040s because otherwise you're just punishing regular hardworking folks who are just trying to go to and fro work and they just don't have other options. This is not Manhattan where you've got express lines and subway lines, you know, all over the place. It's it's not the same system. All right, Philip. Okay. <laughs> so I I thought it would be a good way for me to kind of jump into kind of a combination bit with the police and talking about the budget. So full disclosure, before I get to my question, I do want to explain to you, Anthony, that I, I would consider myself a very kind of leftist, you know, person. So I actually... Uh, I, I do, I am pro defunding the police. I'm not saying we're not going to get into an ideological conversation right now sure. about that, but um, I am. So when I ask you this question, I, I want you to know that I'm, I'm hoping that I'm, I'm going to come to what I, I hope to understand would be your position sure. where it feels like with the police, anytime we talk about it and their budget, it feels like it's sacred but when we talk about other services, like, you know, the library, for example, we, we can talk about looking for efficiencies and cutting down. Is is the police not, like, are we not allowed to look for efficiencies in the police, for example? It, like, it, it feels like for a lot of people, it's just something you don't touch, period. No, I think you make an interesting point, though. Like I talk about doing the line-by-line -line review at City Hall, what is a core service? Let's talk about doing a similar thing in the police budget. There's been a little bit of concern over the extensive communications budget that they have at Toronto Police. So we can talk about that. We can talk about ways to deliver policing services. I, you, you will see former Ottawa Police Chief and former Senator Vern White is on my advisory committee, and he's uh, spoken in detail about uh, changing the way that officers work so that frontline first-class constables are doing policing work. 100% of the time rather than doing administrative tasks or other tasks where their, their, their salary is perhaps not uh, best spent in terms of their time hour commitment. So I think we can go through all that. And I, I will add, while I did never say over the past few years defunding police, when there were people who were taking to the streets to call for police accountability, you can check the tapes I was on talk radio saying, but I do support people reminding the police that that they do answer to the public. We have police service review boards and that it is appropriate uh, to to remind the police of their duty to serve and protect. I just believe that uh, far more police are sacred in that obligation and duty and that those officers weren't necessarily getting the respect that they deserve the past few years. Absolutely. And what do you say to the, uh, you know, it seems that, over the years, Toronto has kind of split into two groups, the the pro-bike lanes group and the anti-bike <laughs> lanes group. And I'm just wondering uh, where you fall and uh, if you have anything you want to say on that topic. I believe that the concrete bike lanes are not working. The ambulance unions have spoken out against the rigidity of them. A lot of people have concerns about the inflexible aspect of the concrete bike lanes. I bike myself. I used to bike from, from my condo to the Post Media Building every day on the Sherburn bike lanes. We live down there. The East End now, I, I take my kids on the bike lanes. And look, we're all reasonable people. If we want to talk about bike lane options, I think in the years ahead, Toronto will probably have a few more bike lanes than it has now. And that's okay, but we need the flexibility. I think the concrete block bike lanes are just not working for us. Go ahead, Phil. 
Oh, I, I mean, I don't have too deep of a thought. I just, um, you know, so not, I love to bring it up because for me it was fun, but I ran for city council during the last, uh, you know, municipal election. And so part of that, two, two of the events I had done were biking events. And one of them, I did an event in Scarborough, which was completely uh, like no, no infrastructure at all. Just, just you on the road. And the other one was me biking down the the very protected Danforth. Uh, no, yeah, Danforth, the Danforth bike lanes. And for me, as a, a very casual cyclist, it was like the protected lanes. They, I don't know. Maybe I'm just a coward when it comes to like biking on the roads. But uh, like the flex posts, in my mind, they sort of. I know. I don't think he even said anything specifically about flex posts. But in my mind, the flex posts seem like they'd be more dangerous. Like if a car hits them, it seems like they're more. I'm just. I I like the protected uh, cycle lanes. Uh, I don't know. Maybe like maybe they just don't have to be huge concrete blocks. But I, I think that protection, that physical separation is important. Uh, that, and that's just from my, again, not expert opinion. Um, and again, not a question, just a thought. And kudos to you for running for council. Anthony, I, I'm aware of our time and I want to be respectful to yours as well. I know you have another engagement. So, you know, this is your chance to speak directly to our listeners, tell them, you know, why they should vote for you and and don't forget to pitch your website and anything else that you want to add my friend the floor is yours oh and thank you so much for the opportunity to speak gentlemen look i really do believe that uh toronto has an opportunity right now like i said to have a conversation about who really runs this city is it the well connected is it is it the big corporations or is it the regular folks is it the folks uh, stuck on transit stuck on the highways the small and medium businesses i want to honor those voices elevate those voices and I also feel like a lot of the concerns we have right now in this city, whatever the issues are, have been brought on by those status quo voices. And I feel like those are not the voices because they contributed to the problems to get us out of these problems. And I hope people agree that a fresh perspective and a fresh voice is beneficial for Toronto. I am that fresh voice. I'm also committed to bringing in all the top experts working with all levels of government. And you can find out more at www.fury.ca. That's F-U-R-E-Y. And I hope people will will join the movement, join the mailing lists and, and so much more. So thank you so much, gentlemen. It's been a pleasure to speak. Thank you so much. And uh, we'll see you on April 3rd. Uh, we're going to be there uh, live at, uh, at City Hall. And uh, maybe we'll get a couple words from you there, but uh, we'll see you there. Awesome. I look forward to it. Thanks, guys. Thank you. And that was Anthony Fury. What do you think? I was nervous. Did you? Could you tell? Yes, I, I could tell. But, uh, you know, you did good. <laughs> you did good. And, uh, you know. I thought I asked some real questions. You did. For like, you, you know. And, and you know I'm what? Funny, but this time I got questions. Your ideologies might not line up. And there may be things that he and I disagree on or you and him disagree on and that's okay. I still like the, uh, I really like the sound of a mayor fury. <laughs> I, I do. I mean, I, I think I missed my opportunity. I'll have to Google it. I wonder if he's related to uh premier fury, the premier of Nova Newfoundland. Sorry. I was going to say Nova Scotia. Oh, I actually, that would be great to find out. Um, you know, one thing I, I wanted to 
ask, but I didn't get a chance to, um, just because our time was so uh, compacted. You know, I don't know if you saw it earlier this week, but Doug Ford put out, uh, I don't know, a fucking tweet or something saying that, you know, <laughs> the city city's on its own. He's not cutting. Oh, he, about he's he's not cutting a I check. I don't think I saw that. He's not cutting a check. Is that okay? Sorry, was that a was that a tweet by Doug Ford? <sighs> no, it was a review by somebody else. I can't oh. remember who did it, but basically, it sums it up that he the city's on your own. Your work Toronto's on its own. Uh, he's not cutting a check. I don't know if that affects the twenty twenty three budget, which was Pat. That's the last thing John Tory did before he left office. I don't know because because. Correct me if I'm wrong, Philip. That budget was contingent on a check from the Ontario government, wasn't it? Here's here's my understanding. And so this is again, this is the blind leading the blind here. But my understanding is that so this budget goes next year, <clears throat> kosher, all good. But because of the lack of funding, they'll have a shortfall for next year's budget. I think next year is where it gets dicey. So my understanding is really John Tory just kind of like walked up, was like, uh, I did a bad thing. I quit. Oh, but before I quit, here's the budget. And then he just like fucked it up for the city and said, adios. And that was <laughs> it. That was fine. We we're supposed to be cool with that. Uh, and so that's my limited understanding of what happened. If uh, someone smarter than me is listening to this and can correct me, I would love to be corrected. Well, before, uh, because I believe we're having another guest on, but before that happens, I want to give a props and we need to scold a counselor and we're going to do it at the same oh, time. And I'm referring oh, are to, we? I'm referring to uh, a couple of tweets by Ben Spear uh, regarding uh, Stephen Holiday's fuck up. And Lily Chang, I missed something. And Lily Chang holding him to account. So, oh shit! What I, I missed this. I missed it too. But but I read some tweets. From what I understand, Stephen Holiday is suggesting that the city stop paying programs that are more rightly, I guess, the purview of the federal or provincial governments to give them more incentive to pick up those costs. They include housing, social services, health services. This is right from Ben Spears' tweet. And he continues... Never mind, I know exactly what you're talking about. And I'm just going to read this tweet, and then I'll, I'll let you speak on it. And then his his next week, tweet is... I said tweak. <laughs> his next tweet is, Councillor Chang responds to Holiday says the most vulnerable residents would suffer if the city cut off the funding to the programs like shelters in an effort to force the feds and province to step in. Uh, quote, I'm not willing to put them on the line in order to make a politi political statement. So to Councillor Chang, we say thank you for standing up for us. To Councillor Holiday, to, to um, purposefully... Uh, not pay for the things that are part of the budget that people of this city rely on in, in an effort to play chicken with the federal and provincial governments to pick up the tab. What the hell are you doing, man? I, this is unacceptable. Uh, I could think of other things to say, but I'll leave it at that. 
Go ahead, Phil. I'm because I now that I realize what you're talking about, I I want to find where I I had made a tweet about just the idea of of putting our our services and and all that in jeopardy just to test the provincial and federal government to bail us out. It's it would be so funny. It would be hilarious if it weren't depraved and cruel like to a disgusting degree the the fact that a sitting counselor with serious political aspirations knowledge well whatever um <laughs> would say something so ludicrous and dangerous it's you can tell i'm mad because <laughs> because i'm mad this is bullshit like what a stupid thing to say especially against the province who's shown us in the five years they've been in power they don't give a fuck they're they're more than happy to flip toronto especially the bird off every fucking time they fucking hate toronto which is of course why if we ever get uh you know anna Bailo, is that how we pronounce her uh, name Bailo. and her and her ridiculous <clears throat> Again, we're not there yet, but her ridiculous plan to ask the province to upload the DVP in the gardener. They're not going to do shit for Toronto. So, so sorry. I know I'm jumping in with someone else, but hold you on, can't hold make... Fin- finish your thoughts to your boy. You can't, you can't rely on the... You can't rely on the... Wow, I can't believe I'm saying this. A, you can't rely on this provincial government. B, you can't... Pre- rely on this federal government and that's just a fact what pisses me off what pisses me off is that everyone it's like toronto is a child constantly having to go to their parents to bail them out it's bullshit i think it's i think it's frustrating because it's i feel like it's toronto is both chained to the province so it's like we we have to follow all these rules and we can't it's like we can't it's your child analogy is right but it's like but it's like we're not allowed to grow up and do it ourselves you know because we're like chained by the provincial laws it kind of makes what what our former guest beth levy was saying about a charter Ooh, you city. Think of the charter city. Charter oh, city. I'm thinking of the charter city. Charter city, baby. Hell oh. yeah! Our our podcast is coming full circle. Absolutely. Um, you know what? Real quickly, I want to go over before our next guest comes on. I, I want to go over what I did yesterday. Um, I was doing it. I had. I I wanted to do something. And I was looking on Twitter last week, and one of our other former guests, uh, Kayla Hunt, Hunter? I'm not Kayla sure. Hunt. Kayla Hunt. Hunt. Okay. It messes me up because it's got the E, and I'm like, okay, she just forgot the R. But yeah, it's Kayla Hunt. Um, <laughs> I think she knows how to spell her name. No, no. I, I'm not saying she doesn't. Please don't yell at me, Kayla. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, she made a tweet. Uh, I guess it was a joke. I don't know. She was saying, uh, you know, I'm, I, I want to create or wouldn't it be funny to have a, a March Madness style bracket uh, for the for the by-election? Now, I know you're not a sports guy, Philip, but the March Madness bracket is for the uh, uh, 
March Madness. It's for college basketball. It it's either taking place or just finished. Um, so it's just red. It's just regular tournament. Like so. Ba- so play, basically, right? it's thirty-two. Well, it's sixteen teams, in, or it's thirty-two teams, or whatever the fuck. It's thirty-two teams, and they they bash each other until there's one left. Okay, so I did the same thing, and I I put it out on Twitter, but I I used uh, mayoral candidates. So everyone that has quote unquote confirmed, uh, everyone that is quote unquote rumored. And then I went to the previous election to fill in the names I needed. Um, so there may be some names in here that are actually not running, but for the purposes of this uh, uh, fun little game, we'll call it, I wanted to, uh, I needed them. So I included them. Okay. So I put it out on Twitter yesterday and uh, I was messaging with, um, I think her name is Dion. Is that is that correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here's my here's my issue. Apparently, I've misspelt her name, so I apologize. But apparently, her name is spelled D exclamation mark O N N E. And I thought to myself, this may be unpopular, but I cannot take someone who is going to gripe over an an exclamation mark seriously as a mayoral candidate. I can't do that. I don't know how you feel on the topic and maybe we disagree and that's fine, but I seriously can't, I can't take her seriously. I it's, I only, I only disagree. I mean, I don't, I mean, you can feel however you want to feel. I don't, I don't know her well enough. Um, I just, no, I don't know her at all. I don't know her at all either. Oh no, no, I know. I know. I know. Um, like, my understanding is it's um, it's an identity sort of respect thing. Um, oh, I don't. And I, I feel like I'm saying that very dismissively, and I don't mean it to be, um, because to be honest, I don't perfectly understand it. So I, I just I my understanding is that's how she identifies, and uh, and uh, maybe she's she sees it, I guess, as like a, a lack of respect. I don't know. Actually, I can't speak. I can't speak for her, Matt. Matt, I can't speak for her. Well, okay. I, I don't know. I'll just say this, <laughs> and then and then we'll talk more about the bracket. I don't mean it as a lack of uh, of respect. I respect every person who puts their name on the ballot for the by election and every election, but I cannot take somebody seriously who is going to gripe about a simple misspelling. I honestly, and this is no bullshit, I honestly, I didn't realize I had, quote unquote, misspelled it until she pointed it oh, out. I get that. But anyway, let's let's move on. So for those of you wondering, I completely chose this at random. I put names in a hat and this is what I, I get. And since I, I love the fact that you didn't do it, so you're gonna do it right now, live on the. Well, you're not. We're not live. Fuck it. We're taped. But <laughs> fuck it. Let's do it live. We'll have to okay. do that uh, when we actually do a live show. So it's separated into four regions. You got the north, the west, the east, and the south. So there are uh, eight candidates in each region. 
And the winning candidate from the north meets the winning candidate from the uh, west. West? The, the winning candidate from the east meets the winning candidate from the south. And whoever wins will meet that. And they are considered the quote-unquote final four. I know you've heard that before. And, um, and then you get the final two after that. Okay, so in the first round... I have Anna Bailao versus Chris Sky. Now, before you answer, before you answer, <laughs> people are like, "Well, how do you decide who wins? How do you? How do you? Do you just do you just pick a name at random? Do you pick who you want to win? Do you pick oh. who you think would win?" And I'm like, "No, you you pick who. If it was a one on one election in your brain, who would win? Oh, okay. That's that's how hey, cool. you do it." So with 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 those parameters set, I give to you Anna Bailao versus Chris Sky. Who wins? Bailao. Okay. Oh, should I? I should mark these down so that we get further down. I should have those results. Well, yes, but I'll I will also remember them. So you're good. Oh, oh okay, cool. All right, all right, cool. Anthony right. Anthony Fury versus Darren Atkinson. Oh, who's Darren Atkinson? <laughs> okay, so here's the thing. I thought, I thought that Atkinson. I thought you were referring to former uh, CBC leader candidate Scott at Atkinson or something, who I actually think is a pretty thoughtful guy, and uh, I would have been like, you know, that guy. But I don't know who he, he who ran, this guy is. He ran in the last election. You know, we just we just had Anthony on, and again, despite the fact that I didn't I didn't even get to ask him about his uh, his woke activist comment, but um, you know, whatever, we'll come back to that. Um, that that's what April third. That's, that's what April third is for. It'll be yeah. I'll just redemption, like, baby, what? redemption. <laughs> that's right. Uh, so I guess we got to give it to uh, Mayor Fieri there. All right, Rob Davis versus Giorgio Mamaliti. I think I got to give this to Davis. Mm, interesting. <laughs> <sighs> Blake Acton versus Easy. Farron Malik. It's another gimme. And of course, that's Malik. And of course, I, I, I don't know if I've mentioned this before. I've met Farron before. So, like, I know she's she's nice. Yeah, she was on uh, the debate I did. So, but I never got a one on one interview with her. Olivia Chow versus Jackie Ann. All right, giving it to Olivia. All right. Chloe Brown versus Kevin Clark. Another gimme. That's uh, that's my girl, Chloe. Gil Penalosa versus Corey DeVille. All right, that's that's also going to be my political grandfather, Gil Penalosa. And so before I go to the next one, um, apparently there are comedians and uh, saying they're going to enter the mayoral race. And I actually took them at their word, and I don't know if it was bullshit. So uh, this guy, is that what Barley Sang is Barley Sang. I think it's a joke, but I did put him in here, so fuck it. So he's in here against uh, Monowar Hassan, who's a perennial. Um, who's a, oh, like he he runs a lot, right? Yeah, he runs a lot. Um, then I think just for the sake of. Uh, the sake of comedy, I think we got to go with the comedians. Barley saying, 
Yeah, I feel like also somewhere in the future, this is uh this is my constructive criticism to you, Matt. Somewhere in the future, you gotta throw in a couple of uh dog candidates for mayor. Under the the Airbud rule, there isn't a rule that says dogs can't run for mayor. I mean, to be <laughs> honest, I'm sure there are, I'm sure there are plenty of rules that say dogs can't run for mayor, but I would still love you know, like they have joke dog mayors and i don't know maybe toronto is ready to have a joke dog mayor all right moving along your boy stephen holiday <laughs> versus kiri vadvelu oh you slapped them up against my boy kiri you know i'd be voting for my boy kiri i would too uh the only the only issue that i have you know we had kiri on Oh, he's so smart. He's so he's just so fucking smart. And I would hate to see him get bogged down by the MSA. There I said That's... it. I think I think <laughs> I think that Curie is better than the MSA. Um, I think Ooh. that the MSA is holding him back. Those are those are some strong words. That's what I think. I don't have a strong enough opinion one way or the other about the MSA. Like I, I like the guys there. You're right. Kiri's a smart guy. And I, I think Kiri will do what Kiri will do. Moving on. Alejandro Bravo versus Robert Hatton. All right. That's gotta be for uh, Bravo. Okay. Philip De Cruz versus Isabella Gantz. Okay. Um, apologies to our, Former municipal uh, Isabella Gamp, but I gotta go with uh, with Phil. Phil, well, I guess he's Phil one. You know, we're Phil one and <laughs> Phil two. I gotta go with Phil one because, uh, I mean, you know, I voted for him for mayor, so I guess I gotta give it to him here. Uh, and the next one again, he's a comedian. Uh, I'm talking about, I think his name is Bill or something. Bill Bankus uh, versus Mark Saunders. Well, as I've stated, maybe not even on the podcast, but certainly on Twitter, uh, I have a very strong no-cop stance. And uh, Mark Saunders is, uh, I don't know if you're aware of this, Matthew, this could be new knowledge for you. Sit your ass down. This could be mind-blowing. Mark Saunders was a cop. Oh, my God. That's brand new information. (laughs) Yeah. So, anyways, uh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna pick the comedian I've never heard of before before I vote for Mark Saunders, and I, I mean that's just facts. That's just real life. Mitzi Hunter versus, uh, I think his name is Chris Langenfield. Do you know anything about Chris Langenfield? Um, I reached out to him when, uh, as part of this time in history when I was covering the election last year, and he emailed me. Um, a bunch of recommendations. I should do this. I oh. should do that. Oh no! <clears throat> and I said, thank okay. You. And I basically said, thank you very much. And I never heard from him <laughs> again. See, because I was here's what I was going to tell you. So I, I learned a little bit about Olivia Chow's previous run for mayor in 2014, uh, including the fact that I didn't know this because I wasn't really following politics back then. But she was, uh, she was an MP who who resigned so she could run for mayor. Now, when she did that, she was leading in the polls. So in my mind, I'm like, okay, so you saw that, you made that calculated choice, and you ran. That makes sense, regardless of how that 
run ended up, you know, of course, Olivia Chow didn't win. She's not our mayor. Um, and so I, I, I say all this to say, so Mitzi Hunter would have to resign as MPP to run for mayor. But any of the, like, and not that, not that we should take any polling seriously at this point for the mayoral election. We're too far out. But nothing kind of puts Mitzi Hunter very high up. So this isn't me saying anything against Mitzi Hunter, the the MPP or the person. I just think she's making a poor decision to run for mayor. I understand that's not the question you're asking as part of this whole. I disagree. Game. I disagree. Oh, okay. Oh, interesting. About I dis- Mitzi? Yes, I disagree. No, no. Whether or not she'll make a good mayor, I'm not. I'm not uh, talking about that. But I disagree. Oh yeah, me neither. I disagree that you think this is a bad decision. I actually think it's a ballsy decision because um, what we have here is an MPP who uh, who's been an MPP and one of the last vestiges of the much maligned Kathleen Wynne government who couldn't make it as a liberal leader because she was never voted. So she lost. Um, She's kind of just, there she's kind of flailing she's there um and and what i gather from her she is a person who likes to make an impact and i i think maybe she feels and i'm not speaking for her but i think maybe she feels like she has done everything she could do provincially so maybe try this maybe if this fails she runs federally you know i think that's actually Completely, you've you've changed my mind. You've completely nailed it. Uh, I didn't think of it that way. Um, especially the state of the Ontario Liberals right now. They're not even official party status. So it's like because her, of, her because, amount of influence. Because of Kathleen listen, Wynne. We know why. Listen, <laughs> I know why. It's fine. It's fine. We know why. Um, but that I hadn't thought about it that way. Like that's like I guess I was viewing it as like um opportunistic and but like opportunistic but like she was making a bad decision but whereas you're seeing it as like an opportunity for her to do some good because her role is diminished and that makes sense that's you nailed it thank you matthew you uh you changed my mind one more thing before we move on even if it takes 12 years for the ontario liberal party to build itself back up if they manage to take government again you can count on the fact that what's happening to the Kathleen Wynne government right now is going to happen to the Doug Ford government. They'll oh, yeah. lose they'll lose official party status because of all the shit that's going on right now. God, I hope so. One point before, it sucks. before it's, we move listen, on. It's before you continue. Before you Go ahead. continue. Go ahead. It, it sucks that Whenever Doug Ford swallows a bee, he's so goddamn charming. <laughs> and that's real talk. That's real um, fucking talk. I can't see any um, provincial campaign by either the NDP government or the NDP party or the Liberal Party that doesn't start with repealing all the bullshit. Well, most of the bullshit that Doug Ford has done. The only thing I want you to leave alone, and this is controversial, so I apologize for offending anyone in advance, but a live mic in my hand is probably 
you know, well, it's good for me. But anyway, <laughs> he passed a bill. I don't know if you know this, Phil. Uh, I may have told you uh, off air. He passed a bill making it literally impossible for either the Catholic Children's Aid Society or the Toronto, not Toronto, but the regular, I don't know, the non-Catholic Children's Aid Society, we'll call them. I don't know what the fuck to call them. Uh, for them to not remove kids from their home. It's literally impossible. And yes, there's a flip side because, you know, kids are getting beaten or whatever. But there's a lot of parents out there that I know of that, you know, are doing the best they can. Shit's getting expensive in this city. So the fuck what if you have two and three kids sharing a room? They're 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 cared for. They have a roof over their head. They're getting fed. Who gives a fuck? Stay out of it. And 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 the problem was is that I don't know. I, I grew up in the system, so I have a lot of experience with the children's aid. And the one thing that I will say is they're always there when you don't need them. They are never there when you do. So the whole bullshit about, oh, well, we're here, you know, but they're always in the place that, that we don't need them. They've, they've been in my life, both as a, as, as a child and as a parent, and I didn't need them on either instance, and they were there. And I'm sure there's other kids who were getting beaten or, God forbid, molested or whatever, starved, and they were not there. There are plenty of cases in the media. And so that's the one law. Hate me if you want. That's the one law that I don't want to see repealed, but you can repeal Bill 23, Bill 39, and I'm sure Phil has other bills that need to be repealed. But leave that, <laughs> leave that fucking bill alone, except, except the CAS one. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I, I don't, I guess I don't have deeper thoughts about it because it's, it's one of those things where, uh, you know, you see their value or you understand what their value should be. But I also understand what you're saying. And I do, I do see them kind of as an institution of failure, you know? And um, I don't know. I, I do think it's a complicated thing. And so I, I don't have any, anything I feel like is complicated. I feel like I never want to speak too strongly about because I never want to be, I mean, it's not that I never want to be wrong. I'm okay being wrong. I think I just, I don't know enough, you know? I respect that. Um, like I said, my view might not be popular, and, and I'm completely okay with that. Uh, but I said what needed to be said. Uh, but you never answered. Mitzi Hunter or Chris Langenfield? You know what? I, but you, you know what? I was going to choose... Uh, Langenfield, you know, except for your little bit about him being very weird and a weird guy. Um, but you've again changed my mind on Mitzi Hunter, and I actually think it's a much more noble pursuit. And so I gotta shoot for Mitzi Hunter. All right. And now we go to Josh Matlow versus Nia Singh. Well, listen, uh Nia Singh is not here yet, or maybe at all. So <laughs> it's Josh Matlow. It's Iron Man. Remember? It's Iron Man. <laughs> I don't I Reginald Tall uh, versus Dion. You know what? And so once again, I think this is a case of 
I don't really know uh, Dion. So I got to give it to to my boy Tell, you know, both because we talked to him and for the comedy factor. Yes. And let's not forget, for those who, who don't know, I'm comfortable saying it. Our episode with Reginald Tall is our highest rated episode to date. Is it so? Yes. Oh my God. Gil, Tenelosa, you gotta you gotta get those numbers up. Oh, he's not far behind, but but Reginald Tall is still in, in firm number one. Okay, and then the last match of the first round, your other boy, Mr. Bradford. Versus, I don't know what his first name is, but his last name's D'Angelo. All right. Well, um, I don't. You know, I don't think we've spent a lot of, unless I'm fever dreaming. It. I don't think <clears throat> we've spent a lot of time on the podcast specifically talking about my, my, uh, my thing about Brad Bradford, um, and that's mostly just that he's uh, a hypocrite who campaigns one way and votes another way. Of course. Most of the knowledge on Brad Bradford comes from uh, his constituents, who are former candidate and also municipal Jenny Warden, and her campaign manager, also former municipal Kaylee Hunt. Kayla. And, oh and no, for- I said Kaylee. Uh, <laughs> and don't forget about Brit. And Brit, yeah. So it's like that's, and it's like, <sighs> but Bradford's very. He's got this very can mayoral approach of, well, I'm going to fix all the problems. Uh, I and pretend as if I'm not the one who is in council voting for the things that have caused the problems to happen. So it's got to go to D'Angelo over Bradford because Bradford is he is just a standard hypocritical politician. And before we move on to the second round, I just want to let you know that, uh, I, I don't think Nia Singh's going to be joining us tonight. Um, he did mention that he's in trial tomorrow. So hopefully after April 3rd, we meet everybody. We can get a firm date because um, I'm interested to know what his plans are. I believe he is running. He just hasn't declared yet. It doesn't say anything on Twitter. <clears throat> but anyway, let's go to the second round. So you chose Anna Bailao and you chose Anthony Fury. And now they face each other. All right. Um and again, this is more, sorry, Anthony, this is uh, more ideological. I think uh, Bailau would be Bailau. more in line with where I'm at. Bailau. <laughs> I hear you. Uh, and listen, the next time we come back to her name, I'm probably going to say it wrong, too. So I appreciate the heads up. Rob Davis versus Farron Malik. All right. Still, still, still my friend Farron Malik. Really? Interesting. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Olivia Chow versus Chloe Brown. You know, this is, I say this is a very solid matchup. If I didn't have, um, you know, if I haven't, if I hadn't talked to Chloe and got a felt for, you know, who she was and how I, how I personally align with, with her. Uh, so I'm rambling to say it's Chloe Brown. I would pick Chloe Brown over Olivia Chow. And, Gil Penalosa versus uh, Barley Sang. <laughs> okay, it, it does have to be Gil Penalosa, but uh, special shout out to Barley Sang for uh, for the encouraging run. And uh, if you ever want to talk to us, bring Chair Girl with you. 
<laughs> uh, Kiri Vadavalu versus Alejandro Bravo. Whoa, oh, you know, this is where the tough good one. this is where the tough choices start. You know, it only took it only took one round, but uh, but yeah, these are a lot a lot more interesting, of course, because you know we're funneling down the narrow ideological files of my brain. Um, oh no, I you know what? I gotta shoot for my pal Kiri. It's not a bad choice. Uh, Philip de Cruz versus Bill Bankus. <laughs> All right, so uh, Bill <laughs> Bankus only got the nod due to due to the Mark Saunders no cop vote. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> so I think I gotta give this to Phil. Awesome, I'm sure he'll be happy to hear that when he listens. Yeah, he's going to Elite Eight, baby. Uh, Mitzi Hunter versus Josh Matlow. Again, okay, you know, uh, only did you did you see recently Josh Matlow's? Uh, uh, he's being dinged by the integrity commissioner from the city. Yeah, I wanted. Did to you talk, hear anything about that? I wanted to talk about that. Uh, we can do that now. Well, okay, and we can we can talk about. Oh, okay, yeah, let's talk can, about it now. Could, yeah, and we'll it'll perfectly segue into why I'm going to vote for him. Let me just get it up here. So it says uh, this is an article by Abby O'Brien. Shout out, uh, Counselor Josh Matlow broke code of conduct on Twitter. Should face ten day pay suspension, says commissioner. So Toronto Councillor uh, Josh Matlow broke council's code of conduct by criticizing two city bureaucrats on Twitter before retaliating against one of them after she filed a complaint the city's integrity commissioner has found. The 51-page report released Friday by integrity commissioner Jonathan Beatty, Batty, whatever the fuck your name is, uh, we, we can curse them, right? Uh, outline, oh, yeah. Outlines two complaints lodged by city officials over Matlow's Twitter posts. In the first, the Ward 12 representative and recently announced mayoral candidate accused a city staff member of lying to him regarding the opening of washrooms in spring 2022. In the second, Matlow referred to the newly appointed interim city manager, Tracy Cook, as the, quote, very wrong person for the job. <laughs> I don't understand why he gets dinged for that. Every fucking person that I spoke to in the election that we had in October said the same fucking thing. Anyway. Oh, yeah. Um, <clears throat> Batty said Matlow violated city council's code of conduct, which says members must treat city employees appropriately. And oh, fuck, I just lost it. Hold on. And not engage in reprisal. In turn, the commissioner has recommended that council suspend Matlow's pay for 10 days. The news comes just days after the councillor announced his intention to run for mayor of Toronto in this year's by-election. Matlow has disputed the findings. After the commissioner released the report Friday, the councillor issued a statement saying he believes, quote, elected representatives have a responsibility to put residents first. Uh, that includes taking a stand when encampment clearings are done violently, advocating for park bathrooms and water fountains to be open and functioning, and demanding that billion-dollar projects are never approved based on misleading figures, end quote. 
with the findings, Matlow argued that his tweets were protected by his charter right of free expression, a notion that Batty dismissed. Matlow did not issue an apology in his statement, but said he will, quote, work to ensure that senior staff are encouraged to provide their best advice to council and all Torontonians independent from political pressure. Your thoughts. Here's okay. I've had this legitimate concern. Okay. Uh, In this hypothetical future where I end up on city council, I'm sure I'm going to be constantly dinged by the integrity commissioner over things like, conduct in council and stuff like that because I feel like I'll I'll just want to act like like how I am now and not very formally like I know you have to right like you have to sort of bend and mold into that role but I I feel like I'd be so fucked because <laughs> I would I would just I I feel like I would swear and I would say when I thought city staff were lying, I think I would be, I think it would be hard for me to keep myself from saying those things. And so when you hear that Josh Matlow is getting in trouble for that, but the city, I don't know, it's, it's diametrically opposed to the fact that the city actively participates in bad things like the encampment clearings that, you know, were brought up as part of those messages. I just, I, I support, I support Josh here because he was telling the truth versus city staff who weren't. Do you think that as a counselor, because he is a, a member of the government, because he is a public figure and because of his job, does the, the argument of free speech, does that work? That's, you know, I think that's a good question. Um, I think it does. I oh actually oh I don't know that's hard that's a hard question Matthew that is a hard question but the the main thing is um I just I think the integrity commission apparently is bullshit and that's not just because you know I like math or <laughs> Matthew I like you Matthew uh, it's uh it's not that I I don't not like Josh Matlow but it's not like I have a super, super affinity towards him that I'm like, oh, I think this integrity commissioner is some stupid bullshit. But it it just seems like it's stupid bullshit in this particular instance. Well, much like the provincial integrity commissioner is in Doug Ford's pocket, the municipal one is in John Tory's pocket. I mean, considering he still has a pocket or a say in municipal government. Anyway, um, I think it's bullshit because I think that city staff, whether you're a counselor, whether you work for the city, whether you're parks and rec, whether you're a police officer, firefighter, ambulance, garbage collector, a, a tree cutter, or whatever the fuck they're called, if if you fuck up, you, you should be called out on it. Does it have to be public? No, it doesn't have to be. But in this instance, it was. Oh, well. Actually, and and I feel like here's an interesting thought, Matthew. As we we've, we've talked about this before, and I've I've said to you, um, I don't think on the podcast, but in fact, I'm gonna I'm gonna say it. I'm not I'm not gonna get into a discussion about it for you know a very long thing to to 
make it. But the bottom line I had said to you about something else was you shouldn't trust the government. But the <laughs> so here's the thing. I, I guess it's the difference between should you trust your government? No. But should your government still be trustworthy? Yes. So when they're punishing a city councilor for being honest, that that feels like a ding against the system itself. Absolutely. Absolutely. I don't know. Does that make sense when I say you you shouldn't trust the government, but your government should still be trustworthy? Is that even possible anymore? Well, I mean it fuck, it certainly doesn't feel like, like it right now. But I think that's <clears throat> I think that okay, actually a more accurate statement would be we want we want a government to be trustworthy, but no matter how trustworthy a government is, you should always be skeptical. That works. <laughs> I think that's and a I lot think, more that makes more sense. And I think that any counselor, any fucking MPP, MP, congressman will go will go into the states. Our buddies in Ohio. Shout out Ohio. Um, Shout out Ohio. Any government like the. We'll go off topic for a minute. Do you remember the tragic school shooting in Uvalde, Texas? The. Yes. So there was a senator. I can't remember what state he was from. I think it was Connecticut. Um, because he, he kept talking about um, Sandy Hook. And he was angry and upset. And, and a, a lot of people were. But he came out. And um, he criticized all levels of government. He criticized the, his own party. He, I believe he, he criticized the Republicans. Uh, I think he was a Democrat. I'm not sure. I don't remember. Um, I I don't understand uh, state's politics. Um, But yeah, he was, he was raw and unedited and he, if he didn't have the freedom to talk, he certainly took it. So I don't understand why we as a as a government, any member of the Canadian government, the Ontario government, the Toronto municipal government doesn't have the freedom to be that raw and honest is complete bullshit. Those are my thoughts. I'm on your team for that. All right, let's get back to the shit. You didn't you didn't <laughs> you didn't answer me. Yeah, Mitch. we're still Mitzi Hunter versus Josh Matlow. So my vote here is going to be Josh Matlow. And I, I do want to say you did a great job of flipping me on Mitzi Hunter uh, for the last vote. But I, I feel like I got to give my boy Matlow some props for this uh, this bullshit that we just did. All right. About. Go Tony Stark. Yeah, there you go. Um, Reginald Tull versus D'Angelo. You know, again, I don't know D'Angelo, so it's got to be my boy Tell. All right, so now we go. It far. Now we go to the next round, and we go Anna Bailao versus Farron Malik. All right. Unfortunately, I think 
Uh, I think I got to still go uh, Bailau. Yes. <laughs> I, I didn't think I would get it, but and once again, uh, I'm not going to repeat her name anymore until, uh, yeah, I'm not going to repeat her name because I'm going to say it wrong. And then uh, I believe it's Chloe Brown versus Gil Penalosa. Oh shit! Oh shit! Oh, this this is an oh shit. Um, there's you know. I think I think Chloe has the potential to to really explode this election because I think of the fact that uh you know the last election we had very low media coverage she had you know uh, a smaller purse to draw from and she came in third like brilliantly so I think I got to give it to Chloe Brown she is the definition of a grassroots candidate. Yeah. Alrighty. So. Sorry, Gil. Sorry, Dad. <laughs> Next, we go to Kiri Vadavalu versus Philip De Cruz. Hmm. I think I. I think I gotta give it. I think I gotta give it to Kiri. I think. Uh, I think I, I think Carrie, I think Carrie. Okay. Sorry, Phil. Josh Matlow versus Reginald Tall. Okay, so that's, <laughs> that's got to be Matlow, right? That's, that's a Josh Matlow. Absolutely. Okay, so now we're into the Man, quote we're unquote, close. We're into the quote unquote final four. Holy shit. Anna Bailow. Versus Chloe Brown. Okay, well, I'm. Uh, this is Chloe Brown, one hundred percent. So she wins the uh, first side of the bracket. She wins the other side of the bracket. You have <clears throat> Kiri Vadavalu versus Josh Matlow. You know, I think the the part of me that says Matlow, I think, is only because he's actually running or like, yeah, he's, he's actually running and Kiri isn't because we don't again, know that Kiri, we don't know that. Oh, I guess he was, true. he was nominated by the MSA. I just, the MSA is dragging him down, but he was nominated. <laughs> so I don't know. He hasn't tweeted that he's going to run. I guess we'll find out on April 3rd. Here's, here's the thing, Matt, um, between Kiri and Josh, I got to tell you, the reason why that answer doesn't matter is because Chloe Brown wins. doesn't matter which one of those two. Chloe is apparently my choice for mayor, Chloe Brown. There you go. So the whole purpose of this fun exercise is to, in your mind, decide who would win in one-on-one. -on -one. And then when you get down to the nitty-gritty, to the person that wins the whole thing, Perhaps that's a person that you should invest in. Perhaps that's a person that maybe has earned your vote, if even if you don't realize it. And I think this is a good exercise to decide how you want to vote, what's important to you. Because if you know your candidates, you know what they stand for, you know what they don't stand for, you know what you're going to get with them for the most part. 
And you know what you're not going to get? I had no idea that Anthony Fury was going to come on and say he wanted to keep the garden or rebuild it. And I did all it. Oh, fuck. I did it again. I, I ideologically, baby. thank you. Ideal, whatever he said. Um, I don't agree with that. However, I do agree with one of his main points uh, to bring it back to him for a second. I wanted, I didn't get a chance to ask you about this. I want to ask you about this. He said that, uh, the people that are basically what he said is the people that are there now, you can't count on them to fix it. It has to be a fresh face, a fresh voice, new blood. And I agree with that a hundred percent. It can't be someone who is already a counselor. We've got great counselors. Josh Matlow's amazing. You know, say what you want about holiday and Bradford and, and Alejandro Bravo is an amazing counselor as well. And, and the people that have been there before, I'm sorry, Olivia Chow. I, I just, I respect everything that you've done, and I obviously respect Jack Layton, but I don't think you're the answer. I I really believe it needs to be an outside person because how do I say it? Okay, how how many of the counselors just just spitball with me for a minute? How many counselors do you think? Uh, ride the TTC. Oh, um, just a ballpark number. I my ballpark number would be max three because I only know one for sure. Okay, so, but part of their job is to fix the TTC, correct? How do you fix something you don't know how to how, how it runs? You don't because you don't use it. How how do you expect to fix it? There are things, and Matthew. That's why representation is important in sorry, and I and I mean this representation of lived experience is right. like so important. And that's exactly what uh, I was just gonna say. Like there are things that people on the outside, like you and me, like Matt Elliott, uh, who's the city hall watcher, shout out. I don't know if you're listening, uh that we can see. Because we're on the outside. You know, it's like it's like when you're in a relationship, you don't really see the problems because you think, oh, it's it's all great, it's good, it's good. But the person on the outside, they can see the issues. And and so as an outsider, I can see the issues, you can see the issues, and we understand them, maybe because you know, ec- economically we're closer to the bottom. No. <laughs> um no, no shame, it's true. And, and we know what it would take to fix it. Not that these people don't know. Perhaps they don't care. I don't, I don't know what the issue is. But, I mean, been doing these elections every four years. And, you know, it's been John Tory for eight years. And, you know, we got a... This, again, may not be a popular opinion, but we got a small reprieve when Rob Ford was mayor because he did a lot of good things and he entertained us. Um, and and I, I mean that with, I mean that respectfully because I know listen, you do. <laughs> Rob Ford was the one that made CP 24 must see TV. Um, and before that, I mean, you had David Miller who's, who's most famously known for the garbage strike and all the garbage that was put into, uh, uh, help me out here. The, um, 
the fucking park. Christy Pitts. You know, I actually that's I don't have too much knowledge of that was pre Rob Ford Toronto. That was 2007. Well, I'm a little bit older than you, so. But so what did you think of my uh my little game? I, I we like to play games here sometimes at <laughs> uh on the municipals. No, I it really worked out. Uh especially cuz I mean, I didn't even realize I would end up with Chloe Brown. I know Chloe Brown is one of my one of my thinking abouts for this election for sure. So <clears throat> moving along, I want to send uh well wishes out to our buddy, our friend, uh our former uh he was on the show, Norm De Pasquale. Uh my had, boy Norm. There's a tweet here and says Got hit in the shoulder by a Van Mirror while cycling on the Sharrows. I don't know what a Sharrow is, but we'll go back to that. Uh, on Spadina <laughs> Avenue near Front Street. Those Sharrows are worse than useless. Spadina Avenue desperately needs a protected bike lane. Hashtag T.O. Polly. Hashtag Bike T.O. Uh, and then he goes on to say, deeply frustrated by the experience of cycling on Spadina Avenue. We have the space to add a protected bike lane. The question is, do we have the will? Your thoughts. It doesn't sound like he was um, hurt. It doesn't sound like he was hurt that bad. No, I was upset for him because I mean I like Norm. I don't want him to be hurt. <laughs> I've got no deeper thoughts. It's just like, is is Norm okay? Okay, that's all that matters to me now. Don't the Sheryls who give the fuck. My boy, my boy Norm is okay. That's what counts. <laughs> um, I mean, I mean that's sort of you know we were talking to uh, to Anthony about about the bike lanes, and that's that's sort of where I see the importance of the the separated lanes and you know what the the thing i could sort of like deviate or rather maybe meet in the middle with anthony of where he's saying he doesn't like the concrete blocks i wonder if they could just be smaller i think it's a thing i think <laughs> i realize this isn't a whole segment on cycling infrastructure but it, it has to be separate and i think i think it has to be separated infrastructure that just makes sense to me but poor man, Norm. <sighs> um, I'll say this much, and you know what? We didn't really cover this uh, when Robert Zukowski was on, but I used to be fuck bike lanes. I really did, and it's about it's about the the push and the pull, the give and the take. You know, do I agree that every road in the city should have a bike lane? No, but. In order for us, it's it's like here on the show, we agree to disagree and still work together. So I believe in a Toronto that can have bike lanes, can have cars on the road, and they work together. Doesn't matter what I think, because there may be a very small majority or a very major minority of people that like their bike lanes. And everybody's got to get something out of this city 
And that's how you generate interest and you generate votes. So even if you don't like the bike lanes, is it bad to say you tolerate them? Maybe that's the wrong word. You, it's a compromise. That's what it is. That's the word I'm looking for. It's a compromise. You give, they give. You take, they take. It's, it's, it's a compromise. And that's what's missing in, in Toronto municipal politics. Everything's got to be, no, my way, my way, my way. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to slam the fist down. Let's increase the police budget. Let's, let's save the gardener. We're going to spend money. We're going to bankrupt this city. We're going to do it. My, no, it's got to be, it's got to be push and pull. Who the hell is going to vote for you if you're just going to alienate everybody? And I'm speaking to the, the majority. I'm not speaking to any one candidate when I say that. Uh, I'm done rambling. Your thoughts. Oh my God. I, I think I lost, I lost myself. Um, <laughs> I think here's what's going to make the conversation hard. I think you'll find most people who are advocating for, for bike lanes and, you know, obviously that takes up some of the road. So that's a give from drivers. I, I think what most uh, cyclists might suggest, which I think, you know, most motorists would disagree with just, you know, based on their preferred mode of transportation. I assume cyclists would say something along the lines of by the infrastructure not being there right off the top, that cyclists have been giving their safety. Do you know what I mean? Like to, uh, that doesn't, uh, giving no, their think, safety to. I think you're right because Norm got hurt. Yeah. And so I think they would argue that, um, you know, when we give up that space for uh, cycling infrastructure, and of course, motorists do see that as a, a take against them. Um, it's, it's hard to find that middle ground unless you, you're willing to take up more sidewalk, which I, well, I don't here, know. It's, here. it's hard. It's hard for everyone to feel like it's fair. Here's the thing, Philip. There's only so much road, right? And now <laughs> the bus, the bus has its own lane. The fucking streetcar has its own lane. The car has its own lane. The 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 fucking the the bike now wants its own lane. I refuse to put in walking lanes, though. Well, no. I, for the most part, and I, I get that's mostly a joke. Yeah, it's uh, a joke. It's because a joke. those are because those are called sidewalks, Matthew. Those are walking lanes. And Philip, um, do you know? Yes, sidewalks is where you meet boyfriends and girlfriends. <laughs> oh, Gil, that was a good one. Good for him. I love it. Oh, great, great callback. You um, know what? Uh, can I just, can I, you know what? You finish your thought because I, I got one thought and then we're going to move on to something new. I think my finished thought is I don't think, and maybe I'm, maybe I'm wrong here, unless they're like, actually, okay. I think out in the suburbs, you know, Scarborough, Etobicoke, I think some of those roads are wide enough that you can have uh, bus lanes and they could be what those lanes maybe that have specific times where um, they're exclusively for buses and other times where it's fine for other people to drive in them. Uh, I think you can have, as, as crazy as it sounds, I think we can have it all in like Scarborough and Etobicoke on these wide ass roads. I, I think we can give everyone a lane. 
when you get downtown with tighter roads, yeah, it's not going to be every road, every street has a cycle lane and a bus lane. And in fact, most won't have a bus lane. But I I think it is it's just about it's just about where it makes the most sense to have the infrastructure. Absolutely. And I just want to take this opportunity to I guess atonement is is what I'm going for. You know, in October, I said some things maybe about Gill and his campaign that now in hindsight, maybe I shouldn't have said, or I wish I didn't say. Um, my comments were made uh, based on what I had thought. Um, again, I had covered the election, the previous one, the whole election. Um and I watched the debates, and that's the only time that I ever heard Gil speak. And so I want to apologize. Um, after having him on last week and actually engaging in meaningful discussion, I can see that he truly cares about the city and that I was wrong. And I'm man enough to sit here in front of Phil <laughs> and tell you that I was wrong for what I thought. And honestly, along with, you know, Chloe Brown and, and, and Josh Matlow, Gil Penalosa is on my short list. And I, I'm excited to see what happens next. I'm excited for the future of the city of Toronto and what happens in this by-election. And of course, you had to bring it to me. The the godson, he has never said that about me. I'm really <laughs> inserting myself into his life. Gil, I'm I'm available to be your political godson. I'm just waiting for for you to tell me that you love me. <laughs> Gil, you don't have to tell me you love me. It's fine. We don't you don't know me that way. Uh okay, so to close out the show. I wanted to talk about something that was just released. It's the Ontario Sunshine List 2022, the top 10 salaries at the City of Toronto and agencies. We'll go 10 to 1. Okay? So at number 10 is a guy named Chung Wong, City of Toronto Police Service. He's a sergeant. So oh my God. a sergeant is like a regular police officer. Okay. That's tense in tense. the province. Um, I don't know how, no, these were 10th in terms of the city. Um, oh, okay. Still no, no. And all just public sector. <laughs> I want you to sit down before I read the amount. I'm sitting, I'm sitting. $339,316.64 and another $1,130.90 in benefits. Well, that's bullshit. Do you see why the fucking police budget is almost $1.2 If you've got officers making that much? How much overtime is this guy fucking clocking? That's and that's probably the issue too. I feel like 
I don't know. We we can't get it. We can't get into police shit right now. We'll we'll be here for another three hours. We can't we can't get into police shit. You just have to go to the next countdown because fuck the police. Well, I will <laughs> say I will say this. In a couple of weeks, Phil and I are going to do our mock police budget, and we'll have more to say then. Is that fair? Yeah. 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 Oh yeah. Okay. Number nine, Tracy Cook, City of Toronto. Oh shit! For real. City of Toronto Deputy City Manager Infrastructure and Development Services. $339,712.98. And check this out. In benefits, $15,897.30. I wonder I wonder what their benefits are. I have no idea, but that's a it's lot be of some insane shit. Oh yeah. All right. Here we go. Um Nakoshi Lampti, City of Toronto, Deputy Medical Officer of Health. $340,130.78 and another $605.90 in benefits. <laughs> He's probably like looking at Tracy Cook and being like, yo, I want those benefits. <laughs> um Michael Finkelstein, number seven. Again, deputy medical officer of health. How many deputy medical officer of health are there? So this will be an interesting conversation for the future, <clears throat> but this is something that I would like to figure out or learn more about. Because it does sound like what a big obstacle in making healthcare cheaper <laughs> is the fact that we have such a huge bureaucracy bureaucracy of yeah I know we're both <clears throat> bad for it of like of just like these boards and administrators and it's just like we just need we need doctors and we need nurses and why do we need so much administrative staff? Because because and, Philip, Philip they have to meet and have meetings and meet about stuff to decide stuff and to decide stuff they need to have meetings. I feel like this is probably where a lot of people can cross ideological lines of like, <laughs> yo, what's the point of all this? <laughs> so because there's um uh just as a quick aside. Uh, someone who lives in the building that I, I work at, uh, so I don't want to dox them, but they're the, the president of the Toronto Center Conservative mm -hmm. Association. And so, like, I have conversations with them about, like, political stuff. And, I mean, I think we're all on the same page when it comes to this, this like, administrative bloat because it's just ridiculous. Did you tell me you're a podcaster? Um... Yeah, oh yeah, I've told him that. You should tell him to watch our show. Or lit watch. I keep saying watch. <laughs> listen. You know, maybe this one I'll I'll have him listen to with uh with Anthony Fieri. Maybe he'll uh, be interested. So the numbers for Michael Finken Finkelstein, three hundred and fifty thousand five hundred and four dollars and seventeen cents, and another one thousand six hundred and fifty-nine dollars and ten cents in benefits. All right, here we go. <laughs> Allison E. Chris, uh, City of Toronto Associate Medical Officer of Health. Oh, my Three, God. 
$352,343.32 and another $1,333 in benefits. This okay, before you get there, I'm I'm just gonna guess. Is Eileen Davila on this list? Yes. Yeah, because I guess yeah, you can't have the associate, you know, chief medical officer of health and not the she's the chief officer of health, right? That's her job title. Yes. Yeah. So I mean that I say makes sense, but at the same time we're talking about it. What is the point of the city having a chief officer of health who gets paid an exorbitant amount and then a like a, essentially a deputy chief? I know that's not what she said. Well, there's but that's there's two deputies and there's two deputies. And oh my two, god! And and two associates on this list. Oh my god! Okay, so how many board of health people on this list? One, I'm oh, sorry, no, wait. One, two, three, four, five. That's half the list. Yes. That's half the goddamn list. God. Okay. Um, next, number five. Donald Raymer, City of Toronto Police Service Chief of Police. $355,011.51 and another $21,102.90 in benefits. So I actually, I was pretty happy that, that Anthony was pretty like open to hearing what I was saying about looking at, I want to say from a conservative angle, looking at the police budget as something that could be you know, dissected because what 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 are you getting that much money for, bud? You know what what results are you producing with with that amount of money, bud? And I I guess I'm saying the same thing about the you know uh, the board of health people because there's so fucking many of them. Where it's like, well, what what are we getting for that that bloated salary? Exactly. Okay, number four, Shavita. Padhi, City of Toronto Associate Medical Officer of Health. $369,826.54 and another $1,585.90 in benefits. Holy fuck. Number three, Eileen Davila. City of Toronto Medical Officer of Health. Three, now, hold on. Oh, three, $373,078.03 and another $2,105.80 in benefits. Go ahead. Okay. So to be clear, this isn't me putting down the profession of, you know, Chief Medical Officer of Health. That is an important role, and you know, I I know very controversial Eileen Davila during the pandemic. I think she did a very good job, but why are there, you know, she's in that top job because she earned it, and she's in that top job. Why are there four other roles who are getting above three hundred thousand dollars a year? That's a good question, and this is just the top ten. I'd love to get the entire list. 
Uh, maybe we'll do that on well, a future. Here's here's future my episode. my thing about the entire about the entire list, and I'll here's my big issue with it. A hundred thousand dollars, you know, after so many years of inflation, isn't. I mean, neither of us make near a hundred thousand dollars, but it's also not in the grand scheme of things a lot, a lot of money anymore. So I do feel like there is a certain amount of demonization when it comes to people who sort of like make the list. Mm -hmm. Like that. That's it. That's that's all I I mean. Like I mean, I'm okay with again talking shit about there's five board of health people making more than $300,000 a year. That's ridiculous. What is that? But you know, when you get to a lot of the lower uh, on the totem pole, the closer to a hundred thousand, that's less like, I feel like some of those more are on the list and people kind of point to them as, Oh, these people are rich. And I, I guess I, I preemptively say that because I know the people hovering at a hundred thousand are teachers, and I know a lot of people kind of are very critical about teachers. Well, the next two might might upset you. <clears throat> <laughs> no, so, I, I, so number, actually, I don't know what number two is, but number two, I don't know. You know, number one, number two, yeah, 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 is uh, Joseph Murray, City of Toronto City Manager, three hundred and eighty. I think he's the outgoing manager. Three hundred. Oh, okay, thank you. $389,980.03 and another whopping $16,549.90 in benefits. I want to know city benefits. Fuck. What package are they giving? Right? Fuck. Anything you need. Holy shit, 16,000. Well, number one, we all know who it is, Richard Leary, uh, City of Toronto TTC Chief Executive Officer, $473,440.21, and another whopping $22,698.60 in benefits. Which, Matthew, as you and our entire collective audience can all agree on, is a perfectly reasonable amount of money. He's done so much good for the TTC. Of course, he deserves every cent that comes his way. Of course, I'm fucking lying. Fuck that guy. For any, <laughs> for any mayoral candidate, I don't give a shit if you don't take... Well, no, I want you to take me seriously. But seriously, you cannot... Uh, um, what the fuck am I trying to say? You cannot um, um, enter into your mayoral reign, can we say that, uh, uh, without seriously considering or actually going through with it and firing this guy. I, I know people, maybe not, I don't know if they're qualified, fuck, but I know people who will do it for half that. Fuck, give him a hundred grand. I don't know why. Why isn't anyone talking about getting rid of him? The TTC is going to shit. And it's like everyone's sort of like, I mean, we know there are outside forces that are problems with the TTC, but also the TTC itself. What pisses me off is the they, they're trying to, oh, we used up the 50 million already that we got extra. That's bullshit. They didn't use it up. It's still there. <laughs> What the fuck are they using it for that was supposed to be for... Listen, for people who don't like the police patrolling the TTC, 
I, I have to believe this is where you and I might disagree, but I have to believe in my heart and soul that if there were police officers at Keel Station, maybe that thing still happens, but maybe it doesn't. I think the issue is when they have when they have police patrolling the TTC as like a safety measure. The thing is, unless they have officers stationed at every single TTC station, they're not really providing any safety because they can't be everywhere at once. And that's not that's not me being a bastard about the police. That's me just saying the truth that the police don't have superpowers. So unless you're going to have a, you know, an officer stationed at every police station, uh, and if that's what the TTC wants to do, I mean, that's a lot of money. I don't know. I mean, is it what what I never know what what the correct thing to do is. But like the issue with the TTC deployment that we had. Sorry. Yeah. The police deployment that we had the last few months was they would be on the system. They'd be traveling on a car, but that's so disjointed from the rest of the system, from people on other cars on the same train. Like, you can't do anything simply because the police can't be everywhere at once. I also would like to know what the what the security system is on the on the trains. Um, I, like, I, I've told you, I haven't been on the subway in probably three years or or maybe a little bit longer. Um, they got security cameras. Are, are they actually working security cameras? I assume so. But you don't really know, do you? I know. I mean, of course I can't know. I don't work for the GTC. I mean, you would think if, if they were working, they could catch a guy just like that or, or a woman, you know, men and women commit crimes. I don't know. Camera camera work is hard. It's not really always straightforward. As like as a guy who works in security who sometimes has to do like security footage stuff, it's not it's not usually very all that easy. There should be four cameras in every fucking subway train. Every individual every individual car. There should be four I think there cameras. Is. And there should be a motherfucker watching the cameras. Not falling asleep. One time I had I had a, a job like that. Honestly, I don't remember the details, but I had to watch a large screen of fucking cameras. And it was some boring ass shit, but I didn't fall asleep. Um, but yeah, maybe a better security system. If they don't want police, give us our money back. Give it to the TTC. Let's reverse these cuts and and invest in the fucking transit system. Like I, 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 it's the problem I have is that everyone acts like it's some fucking complicated algorithm that they just can't fucking uh, accomplish. They can't come up with it. They don't understand it. They don't know it. They can't figure it out. And that's all bullshit. It's very very simple. You cut the fat. That exists in the in the t- in in the city budget as well as the police budget. You make investments into infrastructure and to the TTC and to the safety of all Torontonians. Period. 
There, I'm done. <laughs> Boom. Mic drop <laughs> moment. What do, why don't you uh, carry us out and let me know what you think. If, if I'm completely whacked or off base. No, I mean, I prom- it's... Oh, I, I just want to say that I am I am not high right now. Oh, listen, never, never a question. I think I'm the one you have to be more concerned about. <laughs> um, you know, these are these are hard problems that uh, a couple of guys hosting a podcast maybe aren't equipped to solve in one podcast episode. But yeah, damn, we'll do our best to try. <sighs> well, I think that's all I've got. Oh, one other thing, one quick. I just want to get your con- your 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 thought, and then we'll end Ooh, the show. Okay. Um, we're gonna be uh, Ontario pals for just one minute. Ooh, right? Ontario pals, provincial pals, provincial. Yes, that yeah, sounds yeah. better, provincial pals. Um, <laughs> so, Doctor Marilee Fullerton resigns as MPP and uh, Minister of. Uh, I think you're muted. Oh, keep keep going. I, oh no, I'm not muted. I'm celebrating. Oh. <laughs> um, I was being respectful towards you, but I am very happy about this. Why is this okay? okay I, we've been following the fucking municipal election even after, right? And then we've been doing this podcast, so we've been focused on municipal politics. I can't for the life of me understand this seems like out of the blue resignation. Do you have anything and, and, and can you shine any light on this? No, okay, you're right. It absolutely feels out of the blue in the sense that I don't expect Canadian politicians, and this is where you know where we get sad about the state of our politics, where I don't feel like politicians ever resigned for doing a poor job. Again, John Tory resigned, but it wasn't for the shit job that he did. It was for, you know, getting caught doinking. Um <laughs> yes, I, I think I will forever refer to it as doinking. Um Marilee Fullerton, she wasn't caught doinking. Uh, as far as I know, there's no like scandal. I, I mean, there should be a scandal because she's done a terrible job. She was the the minister that basically oversaw, um, you know, long term care homes during the pandemic, where you know Ontario did a very shit job. Yeah, but that's not where care homes. That's not where the she's the minister of now. It was the minister of uh... no, yeah, yeah, of community and family social, social services yeah and and that one is has the autism file uh previously with uh mpp lisa mcleod who again it's if if we were to make a a, a new podcast called the provincial pals she would be my nemesis lisa mcleod because she was awful a few years a few years ago it was um there's a lot of heavy media emphasis on this government's awful, awful autism funding program. And, you know, and I, oh, and I just, I remember how she reacted, how she reacted to criticism, how she threw blame at the previous government. And sorry, and I realized we're talking about Marilee Fullerton, not Lisa McLeod, but you have to understand that I hate Lisa McLeod. And, Man. And so Marilee Fullerton, of course, is the one who who screamed in the legislature like, you can't talk to me that way or something like that. Like, she's ridiculous. Uh, I'm very happy to see her go. She sucks. Do you think that more could follow? 
We can only hope. <laughs> I knew you right? were going to say the dream. that. I knew you were going <laughs> to say that. <laughs> and then eventually Doug Ford resigns. You know, if they could just have less power, that'd be nice. You Minor- know, my, you know that, listen, regardless of who's in government, minority governments don't work because they're always going to get. I disagree pro- with that. That's fine. They're they're always going to get propped up by look what's happening federally. We have a minority government, and he's getting propped up by Jagmeet Singh. Yeah, so they're acting more like they have a majority government than uh, yeah, and I don't like that a shit. minority government, and that's that's fair. I I think uh, I I do feel like they aren't acting in a way that my imagination assumes a minority government should work, which is I feel like they should be more collaborative. Again, with the backing of the NDP, they don't really have to be all that collaborative. So they are acting as if they are a majority government, which is bullshit. Exactly. But... And eventually Jagmeet Singh is going to have to answer for Hey, listen. For we are hold not... on, hold on. Hey, listen. We are not the federal pals. He's going to have to answer for politically <laughs> politically getting into bed with Justin Trudeau. <laughs> I had to say that. But we with... went through the whole spectrum today. <laughs> the all all the governmental pals. But with that, this episode comes to a close, and we want to remind you that registration for the by-election is this coming Monday, April the third. Phil and I will be there. We may not be able to be live, I'm told, but we will be interviewing and we will share those interviews on next week's episode. So stay tuned for that. Uh, we are going to be now meeting with, or meeting with, fuck, we're going to be interviewing uh, for, for the, the balance of the by-election only candidates, only candidates going forward um, until the end of the by-election, and then we'll get back to our regularly scheduled municipals program ugh, programming. I can't fucking talk. Um, and yeah, so we'll be there. And, um, and in a couple of weeks, we're also going to take care of that mock police budget and we'll, we'll show them how it's done. How's that sound? That's right. Gary Crawford, budget chief, you need to learn how to count from me. I do think, and this is just, this is not for foreshadowing. Your budget is going to look very different from mine. I imagine so. (laughs) And with that, Uh, For Phil and for Anthony, thank you guys for listening, and we will see you guys next week. This is the municipal. Have you been paying attention to, like, city stuff? Don't vote, can't bitch. Sorry to uh, to point that finger at you. My answer to that would be yes and no. My tummy hurts, and I'm mad at the government. You're saying council wouldn't approve it. And two, you're robbing them of their their voice. It's it's he's already he's already failed to uphold. Well,